Hi there. Thanks for tuning in to the Res Life Big Rapids podcast. We're glad you found us, and we hope this message helps shape you into something that looks like Christ. Now let's listen in. that was in the announcements, next Sunday, we will not be here, okay? We will be at the band shell at the park down by Hemlock Park. And uh, so say, say, everybody say, next Sunday, next we're, going to the park. we're going to the park. All right, so if you don't know where the park is, you need to go on your Google Maps and type in Hemlock Park, and it'll get you down there. But I, wanna, I want to, uh, I, and I think, you, I think there's a, you can call the office and get directions and figure that whole thing out. But um, I want to just point out, he was mentioning the children's area is in their playscape over there. We love that because it's fenced in. I have five kids. I know how valuable fences are uh, to keep them controlled. But if, you're, if you have children, we recommend that you park on the Hemlock Park, the playscape side, um, over by like where the baseball diamonds are and things like that because that's where the kid drop-off will be instead of walking all the way across the bridge to drop them off and back. Um, so there's parking over there. You can go there. And then if you don't have children and you, or you have older children that are coming with you, we recommend you park behind the school. So then you would go you know, past crossroads and turn right down there to go behind the middle school. So that's what we would, uh, we would recommend you do. It's going to be a great time. I want to encourage you uh, to come next Sunday. And uh, a lot of times we have people who've been coming here for years, yet every year on this Sunday they just decide not to go because, oh, it's outside and all that stuff. But it's a great time for all of our church family to be in one place. And what inevitably happens is people go, you go to, you go to church here? What? Like they're like good friends that they've never talked about where they go to church. I don't know why they're not talking about church. Talk about it during the week, people. Anyway, and, and they're like, what? And they're like, we've been going here for a couple of years. Like, they've been going to different services, and their paths had never crossed. And it's just cool to be the whole family there. And also, um, man, I'd be happy to dunk you in the river, uh, which is also baptism. Um, and so if you've never been baptized, sign up today. And uh, there's a class there right after the service. They're going to talk about what baptism is and make sure you know everything that, that you're going through. And then we would love, I'd be honored to do that with you in the river um, after the service. Um, one other announcement I have before I get into the message is that on, on August 10th at 7 p.m., we're going to be uh, showing, kind of having a, a I'll call it a family movie night here. We're going to be showing a movie called A Second Chance. It's a movie that's not out yet, but, uh, but it's a Christian film about people who are uh, living in sin. God gives them a second chance. How many know that we have a God of second chances? He loves us, and he wants, to, he wants to forgive us and help us live a life of righteousness. And so uh, I want to encourage you to come out to that. Uh, but I said family movie night, but I want to just make a point here that the movie is like a PG-13 movie. Okay, so little kids, probably, it's probably not good for little kids, but the thing about it is, is it's talking about people living in sin, and so some of that sin is PG-13, all right? But one of our church members is actually an actor in the movie, and that's why we're, we're showing it here. So, um, so anyway, that's going to be great. Uh, but like I said, today I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the Word. I'm excited to get out into it. Everybody say, forgettable. Okay, so... Um, today, it's a secret who I'm talking about. I've had people trying to like, get it out of me, um, and so I, I refuse to give it, give it to them. Um, but, but I want to talk about a few different people today. But before I do, before I get into the message, let's bow our heads and just ask God to lead this whole thing. So, Father, I thank you so much for every person here. God, your word says that we're fearfully, wonderfully made, that you have a plan for each one of us. And so, God, today, as we get into your word, as we start to read about some different people in the Bible who maybe are forgettable, that you remind us, Lord, that we are unforgettable to you. 
And God, I just ask that, that uh, you speak to our hearts, give us ears that hear, hearts that understand, and give us minds that desire to live like you and to live for you. And God, let the words that I share not be my words. Let them be the words that you need people to hear today. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen. 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 So, like I said, I want to talk about a few different people today. And uh, I think they're all really important and forgettable at the same time. So I'm going to start right off with this. I want to talk first about a man named Saul. Everybody say Saul. I'm in a repeating mood today, so get used to it. Um, now, a lot of people, when they hear the name Saul, they think about King Saul. They, this is the king that when Goliath was attacking God's people, this is the king. And remember, David comes and he fights Goliath and the whole thing. So a lot of people think King Saul. But there's another Saul in the Bible that maybe you know who he is, but, but I want to talk about him for a minute. And I want to I kind of go to where he's first introduced in the Bible. So let me just set the stage for you. So Jesus has gone up into heaven, okay? And now there's the disciples that, that are like the apostles. They're going to go out now and they're going to preach the, the word. Um, apostles are, are bas- they're basically, they're the disciples. People who walked with Jesus, saw what Jesus did, and also were sent out by Jesus. And, uh, and Stephen is one of those apostles. And he is before the Sanhedrin, which is like the religious leaders of the day, the church. And he gets all fired up. And he starts, he starts preaching this me- like ripping message about Jesus and about forgiveness and about how how these, these leaders of the religious you know, group, they're, they're all just living according to the law, but Jesus came to give us forgiveness, right? And, and so he's going and he's saying, this is sinful to do what you're doing. And the people, are, the people listening, they're not happy about it. In Acts 7.57, it says this. It says, at this, they, the people, covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, at Stephen, and they dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him. They killed him. They murdered him. And then it says, Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named who? Saul. Saul. In other words, at this moment, they look to Saul as their leader. Tell me who Saul becomes. Say it louder. Paul. Paul's pretty unforgettable, right? Like, I mean, he's like one of the biggest players in the Bible. And you're like, wait, Pastor Ross, he's not. This Saul's not forgettable. He's unforgettable. And I would say you're wrong. Saul, before he was Paul, before he changed his name, before God changed his name, he was forgettable. He was a nobody. You see, Saul, he was actually one of the Pharisees, one of those religious leaders who went around and, and criticized Jesus and tried to trap Jesus in, his, in a web of lies, in, the, in, these, in these traps so that they could get rid of him. But it never mentions him. He's a young guy. There's so many older Pharisees and leaders that are important in these high positions. And so Saul's just this young guy. Doesn't, you know, he's, just, he's just along for the ride. We read later... When, Paul, when his name's Paul and he's writing about his life and about the things about being apostle, that he was there, that he saw Jesus do miracles, that he experienced all these things. But in the midst of all that, he's just a nobody. Saul was forgettable. But he becomes one of the most significant players in all of Christianity. See, he was forgettable, but God saw him as important. You remember what happens to him? As he's going to another city to go and capture Christians. Oh, well, before I say that, I'd like to point out that Saul, 
He did, it doesn't say that he led them in the stoning of Stephen. It says he was there and that he was by the witnesses, the people watching it happen, and that they were, the people turned to him. And at that moment, they chose, they chose to, to put their coats at his feet and let him become a leader, right? And this is what so many people do. We, they, they feel forgettable. And so to become significant or to feel unforgettable, they choose a path of sin to try to do something great. So Paul chooses this path, and he walks into this life of, of, of trying to kill and trying to capture and, and put in jail anybody who believes in Jesus. And on the road um, to this next city, Jesus appears to him, and Jesus says, Paul, you're significant, you're not forgettable, and you're going to do great things for me. And so Paul has a moment, Saul has a moment, names are interchangeable, but Saul has a moment where he, uh, he realizes that he was made for a purpose and that it would be one that would change the world. I mentioned David before. Everybody know who David is? David's unforgettable, right? He's, he's unforgettable. Uh, do you, but do you remember how David was, was anointed or, or appointed as the king over God's people? So, so there's this prophet named Samuel, and, and he's the one that God used to appoint the kings. Actually, we're going to say Saul again. He appointed King Saul. Remember I mentioned he was the king when Goliath attacked. He appointed King Saul as the king. God you know, told him to. But God then comes to Samuel and says, King Saul's time is done. I want you to appoint a new king. I want you to go to this place, and I'm going to bring the person in front of you, and I'm going to tell you who this new king's going to be. So Samuel travels to the house of Jesse. Everybody say the house of Jesse. And Jesse brings his sons out to meet Samuel so that Samuel can choose one of them as king. Okay, so we'll pick up the story here. This is what happens. 1 Samuel 16, 6, it says this. When they arrived, when Samuel arrived, he saw Eliab, which is one of Jesse's sons. And he thought to himself, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Uh, he stands here before the Lord. And, and, and this is the thing. Like He sees him and he's like, this is the guy. This has got to be the next king. In verse 7 it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. How many know that God looks at your heart? So many people feel insignificant, like they're not as good as the person next to them, but God doesn't look at your appearance or their appearance. He looks at your heart, right? In verse 8 it says this, Then Jenny, or Jesse, Jenny, Whatever. Then Jesse calls Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Then Jesse had Shema pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Listen to this, verse 11. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons that you have? Have you forgotten anybody have you forgotten anybody? Jesse's like, oh, yeah. They're still the youngest. He's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him, and he had him brought in, and he was glowing with health, whatever that means. How many people would like to glow with health? I, I mean, just I'm, illum I'm illuminated with healthiness. I don't know what that even means. Um, he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. And then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. 
This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon who? David. Now, I don't know if you're catching this, but King David, the most unforgettable person in all of the Old Testament, was forgotten by his own dad. Like, David wasn't even good enough for, for Jesse to say, hey, hey, the prophet's coming. He's going to pick one of us as, 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 as his next king. Like, I want all my kids there. Like, I have four boys, and I'm just telling you, if I knew that the, that the next king was going to be chosen out of my kids, they would all be there, right? Like, the, like I'd, I'd cut my daughter's hair and put her in line. I don't care. Like, like choose one of them. I love you all, but I'm really going to love one of you in a minute. Like, like, like. Are you kidding me? How could you forget one of your kids? But he doesn't even, like, David is that insignificant in the eyes of Jesse that he doesn't even bring him in when they say we're going to choose the next king of all the people. It's pretty forgettable. It's pretty insignificant. But God was clear. He made David for a purpose. He was unforgettable to God, even when his own father didn't think he was good enough. Do you remember this guy in the Bible named Moses? Anybody heard of him? Pretty unforgettable, right? He's, he's, what did Moses do? He led the, the Hebrew people out of where? Egypt. Yeah, pretty significant, I'd say. Moses' story didn't start with him being a superstar. Or really anybody for that matter. I just spit, sorry. In fact, as a baby, he was abandoned. Now, this, what happened is Pharaoh, the, the leader of Egypt, was really concerned because the, the Hebrew people were like slaves there. And their population was growing so fast that, that he was worried that their population would grow so much that they would, they would gain power and they would overthrow the Egyptian government. And so what the Pharaoh did is he passed this law that said that all Hebrew baby boys had to, as soon as they were born, they had to be thrown into the, the Nile River and drowned to try to stop any, any further passage of the Hebrew people along or expansion of, of their people. And so, um, so Moses' mom ha- has him as a baby and doesn't want to do it, so she hides him away for three months. Okay, But anybody that has children here know that eventually somebody's going to find out. I have four boys, like I said, and by three years old, everybody's going to know, right? Like you can't, keep, you can't keep them down. So she realizes this. That, that what her hiding of Moses isn't going to work. And so what she does is she puts him in a basket and she puts him in the river and, and she prays, you know, that God's going to protect him. But really, I mean, she had to know when she put him in the river that most likely, eventually, the basket would tip over or sink or get knocked over or whatever and her baby would die like all the other babies. So she sets him adrift. And I don't believe it's luck. I believe it's God that Pharaoh's daughter finds the basket and finds the baby and you think and then and then saves him right and you think now he's unforgettable no no so what so he grew up in in pharaoh's courts but he was still just one of many right and then he goes out and he uh he tries to, to like help one of his fellow Hebrew people who's getting whipped by an Egyptian guard and he murders the guard 
And because he, he commits this horrible law-breaking sin, he has to run from the land, and he ends up out in the wilderness tending his, he gets married, but he, he's tending his father-in-law's sheep. They're not even his sheep. So he's, he's forgotten from the kingdom because he's, he's a fugitive, and he's, and he's tried to get away where nobody would ever remember him anymore. He's, he's not even got anything to his name other than the fact that he married his, his, this, this woman and he gets to watch his father's sheep in the middle of nowhere where there's no other people where he literally doesn't matter. But God had other plans for Moses. God says, you're the one that I want to use. God chose to use Moses. And even then, even when God said, like clear, I mean, it was a burning bush, right? Everybody say a burning bush. If you saw a tree that was on fire but wasn't burning, you'd be like, what? And so he sees this, and and God does this incredible, powerful, miracle thing right in front of his face. And even after God clearly says, I choose you, Moses says, you can't choose me. I'm not good enough. I'm too forgettable. I'm too insignificant. I don't matter enough. He, remember, he had a speech impediment, and so, so he says to God, I have a speech problem. God can't use me. I was a murderer. God can't use me. I was supposed to die in the river like all the other Hebrew boys. God can't use me. But God could use him. How? Even with all that past issues? Because to God, he was significant. He was unforgettable. How many of you today, you don't have to raise your hand, but in your, in your heart, how many of you today feel like you're forgettable? Like your life is pretty insignificant. That if you were gone today, only a few people would really care. A lot of people. It's an, it's an epidemic. It's an epidemic in our world today. People are searching for significance. People are desiring whatever they, they'll go for whatever they can just to make it, to, to, to be celebrated or to be noticed. And, and it, it goes to show it because we got our phones and we've got every social media account we can and we're checking how many likes we have and how many people, it's like, oh, you know, you know how it is now on Facebook. You don't care if people liked your photo, you just want to comment, right? Like you're like, oh, 350, put a heart and a thumbs up and somebody's crying, what is that? And then, but, but how many people put a comment on my post, all oh, that matters? We live for, for being, being noticed. And, and again, remember people, they, they go for sin. Paul, he, he says, well, when he saw, he's like, oh, man, I'm getting noticed as the leader of these people persecuting Christians. I'm going to dive right into this sinful life. Moses, Moses wanted to be significant. He wanted to matter. So when he saw this Egyptian persecuting a Hebrew, he thought, if I kill this Egyptian, then all my Hebrew people will think I'm a hero. But what he did is he tried to find notoriety in a sinful way. He tried to find significance in a sinful way. And the very next day he goes out to to the Hebrew people and they say, we don't want anything to do with you, murderer. And yet, so he just continues to walk into those things. David well, David's a man after God's own heart. We don't have much to say about David. But for all of us, we often feel like we're just a little fish in a giant fishbowl and that we're never going to make a difference. We live in Big Rapids, little Michigan. How could we make a difference? And I haven't even gotten to my points yet. This is great. 
Something we all need to grab onto is the truth that, number one, to God, you are unforgettable. To God, you are unforgettable. Everybody say that with me, but put I in, in, or I am unforgettable. So say this with me. To God, I am unforgettable. Today, the forgettable that I want to talk about is you. Today, I want to talk about you. You've listened to me talk about all these different people who did really significant things for God. And at some point along the way, you had to begin to ask the question, what does God have planned for me? What does God have planned for me? If God really loves me, if he really created me, if he really you know, has a purpose for me, what is it? What does God have planned for me? And, and the truth is, today my answer is, I don't know. Because I'm not God. I'm not God. But I know that God knows. We used to sing this song at church called Friend of God. You remember that song? I am a friend of God. I am a friend. You know, like, the first words to that song, they said, it said this. It said, who am I that you, God, that you are mindful of me? This is how so many people feel. Like, why would God care about me? What it's really saying is I'm insignificant, I don't matter, or, or I don't qualify. Kind of like Saul, who became Paul. He was a young guy who wasn't even mentioned in the Bible until after Jesus left. And in fact, he was living completely the opposite way to the way that Jesus taught us to live. He was hurting people instead of loving people. Yet Jesus says to him, you're significant to me. And because Jesus says to him, you're significant, and you're going to do great things, Paul's life, Saul's life, is turned completely upside down. Listen to what happens to him in Acts 9, 19. It says this, Saul spent several days, this is after, after he encounters Jesus, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus was the Son of God. Listen to this, though. In verse 21, all those who heard him were astonished, and they asked, isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among all those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? So, so they, even though Paul you know, has had this life change, had this significant change, he, he, they're still questioning. People are saying, wait a second, isn't this the guy? And, and then it says this in verse 22. It says, yes, yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. When I read that, I thought, well, how, how is Paul proving Jesus is Messiah? How's he doing that? Because, I mean, Jesus was just there. I mean, he proved it. He rose from the dead, right? People saw him. So how is Paul now proving it? Well, Paul's proving it by the scriptures before. All these people who knew Paul as the bad guy, are now seeing his life being transformed. Everybody say transformed. See, life change, when God changes your life, when that happens, your life then becomes a beacon of light that God can and God will and God is God. That he can change your life, that he will change your life, and that he is God. You realize that what Saul was doing is exactly what God is calling each of you to do. That if God has come into your life and he's changed your situation, that you're supposed to spend time out there letting people know 
Like, it's the, the greatest thing that God could have you do is that you, next time you get with your family, they look at you and go, isn't this the guy or the girl who did X, Y, and Z last 4th of July? How can this be the same person? Something huge had to happen. And you go, yeah, I want to tell you what happened. Jesus happened in my life. That's significant. That can make you somebody in your family who is unforgettable. Somebody that, that when they're going through hard times and, and they can look to you and go, you remember what happened to him? You remember what happened to her? God changed their life. I want God to change my life. You can be unforgettable. Your, your life can prove that Jesus is the Messiah. You can have an impact on people around you that's unforgettable. Number two is this. God believes in you. God believes in you. Or you can write, God believes in me, if you want your notes to be personal. Say that with me. God believes in you or me. You might feel like everybody in your life is rooting against you. That people see you and they think they'll never amount to anything. This is, this is exactly what, king David, or what, what David faced before he was king. Now, I want to point something out to you. I want to, I want to go through what happened to David after he was anointed as the king. And this, this, to you, might resonate in your heart. So, um, so his own father, first off, again, didn't even call him to stand in line before Samuel. But even after he's anointed as king, listen what happens. His dad sends him back to the fields to watch the sheep. He still gives all the other brothers priority and position in the household and still sends David to go and be the shepherd and watch the flock. Like, wouldn't you be, if you were David, you're like, wait a second. And then, and then King Saul is having trouble in his life. And so what happens? Jesse, David's dad, takes him out of the field, and he sends him to be a slave. The guy who was anointed to be king, right in front of Jesse's face. Now Jesse, the dad says, well, I'm going to send him to be a slave and play his guitar and soothe Saul so Saul can be happy. And then, and then when King Saul goes off to war, you think like David's going to go along with him and be like Saul's right-hand man, like in training for being a king? No. Saul sends him home, and they send him back to the fields to watch the sheep. And then when all of his brothers, it just keeps going. It's like every step of the way, a guy anointed by God to be king just continually gets told he's not good enough. So when, the, when his brothers go off to war, his dad says, no, you're not going. You're going to stay here and watch the flocks for me and be an errand boy. I mean, I have four, four boys, and our youngest is two, and I see him following his older brothers around like, I'm going to do whatever they do. And like, they're climbing like 10 feet up a tree, and he's like trying to climb. And I'm like, get down. You know, I'm trying to protect him. It doesn't say that Jesse was trying to protect him. It says that you're going to stay back and watch the sheep because you're not good enough to be a warrior. So David, again, gets put on the sidelines. And, and, then, and then even when he does, he, if you remember the story, he gets sent with food and supplies for his brothers on the front lines. He gets there, and he sees Goliath, right? And Goliath's like, I'll fight anybody, you know, and, and he sets out all these rules. And David goes, I'll do it. And, and he gets laughed off the battlefield. They're like, are you kidding me? You are so insignificant. You are so little. You are so small. You matter this much, and you are not going out there on our behalf. And he's like, well, yeah, I'm going to go. You know, why? Because David believed God. He didn't believe those people. And in your life today, maybe you need to start to believe God instead of believing people. Maybe you need to start believing in God instead of believing in your position at work or your relationship status, or how many people like your picture on Facebook. 
Maybe you need to start to believe that God has better things for you and you don't have to accept, accept the junk that you're living in right now. David didn't accept that. Even King Saul then says, you're, you're so weak. You're like, it's going to, I mean, he was glowing with health, but you're so weak. And, and so, so he takes him and he puts this huge armor on him, like, oh, now you're going to go out. And so no matter how, you know, like, I don't know, he's thinking like, you're just going to be beaten by, by Goliath. And so if you have this, you know, tin can on you, you might last a few minutes longer. Like, But God chose David, and he chose you. You know, the word says that he chose you. I mean, it says you're fearfully and wonderfully made, that he has planned for you. But Jesus himself, speaking to you and I, said that he chose us. I want to read it to you. John 15, 16, it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. God is literally saying to you through the word today that he chose you, that he believes in you, and that you're going to produce something great in your life, not something insignificant, but something that is unforgettable if you'll trust him. God believes in you. It doesn't matter what other people say about you. It doesn't matter if the situation seems too big for you, like there's too many giants in front of you. God believes in you. Say that with me. God believes in me. God believes in me. Number three. God knows that you are good enough. God knows that you are good enough. Say, I am good enough. You might think that there are too many things in the way of you becoming significant to God. And you got to think, this is how Moses had to feel. Moses looks back on his life as God is, as the burning bush is there. He looks on his life and he says, God, you can't use me. I'm not good enough. I mean, I'm a Hebrew boy. Why would a king, why would, why would Pharaoh even listen to me for a minute? Why would, why would Pharaoh even let me into his courts? I'm so insignificant. And, and not only that, God, but I'm, I've sinned. I'm a murderer. Like, why would you want to use somebody who's done, like, the worst thing? I killed one of your creation. I killed somebody you love. I'm not worthy of that. Did you think? He thought, like, who am I? I'm a shepherd boy with a speech impediment. I don't even have any money. I don't have any power. I'm going to walk into, there, into that place in these, these tattered robes of a shepherd guy who lives in the, in the wilderness, and you think that they're going to respect me? I don't matter. And God says, I chose you. You are significant. Go and do the unforgettable. See, God's saying the same thing to you today. You might not be Moses or David or Paul, but you are you. And he did create you for a purpose. And you do matter to him. And again, you might think we live in this little town in the middle of nowhere, and I'm a small fry here, I'm a small fish here, how can I make a difference? You know how many people that have changed the world from God, for God came from small towns in the middle of nowhere? 
And you know what? You might not be the one to go out and speak in front of thousands and thousands of people and save millions of people. But you know, Billy Graham had somebody who spoke into his life and who loved him and helped him come to the Lord at one point. In a little tiny town, in the middle of nowhere, there were people who cared enough to say, my impact is significant. My life is significant enough to talk to Billy, little Billy Graham. You don't know who you're sitting next to today. You don't know what God's gonna do with their life, but I promise you, God planned for you to be next to him today. And you're here and you matter. You see, you, we just pile on these things that, that we say, these are all the reasons why I'm not good enough. And God says, but I sent Jesus. And you don't, you don't have to be unrighteous or unworthy anymore. It says it. 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God sees you as worth it. God sees you as worthy if you make him Lord of your life, if you choose to believe him. I love this saying, it's not my saying, but it says, God takes our messes and he turns them into our message. I love that. I know it's cliche. It's like I, I could see it at you know, Hobby Lobby. I guarantee you it's at Hobby Lobby. God takes our messes and he turns them into our message. You know, the Bible's full of people's mess. People making terrible decisions. You know, and I thought at one point in my life, I, if you know my story, I didn't want to be a pastor. I told him no. I was like, absolutely not. Like, I, I have so many messes in my life. How could I ever get in front of people and talk about Jesus? But I've seen God take those stories in my life, those messes that I made, and, and he's used them in so many instances where they've become a message of redemption. They've been, become a message of transformation, a message of hope, a message of love, of joy, a message about a future. Even though you might be in the pit right now, God has a future for you, and it's not a pit experience. It's a mountaintop. So the question that you have to ask yourself is, who are you going to believe today? Are you going to believe God and what he thinks about you? Or are you going to believe yourself? It's easy. It's an easy question to answer. But if you believe in yourself today, if you choose yourself, then you'll continue to live a life where you're convinced you're forgettable. And a forgettable mindset leads to a forgettable life. If you think in a mindset of, I don't matter, you know what? Your life won't matter. And you'll go through your whole life being insignificant. But if you choose God's view of you today, an unforgettable view, you'll change the way you walk. You'll change the way you talk. You'll, you'll have a new boldness that, that goes way beyond what you could even stand for because you know it doesn't matter what people says. Your identity is not found in other people. It's found in God. You can walk tall and you can know that you're living a life of purpose, a life where you know you're good enough and knowing that will make a difference in the way you live every day, knowing that you were made to make a difference for God. Everybody say this with me. Say, I'm a difference maker. And say this with me. I am unforgettable. Would you guys just bow your heads real quick? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for every person in this room. 
God, that you know each one of them. You know each person's heart. You know where they're at. You know what they struggle with. You know what they're good at. You know what you've put into them as gifts and abilities. And so, God, I pray today that maybe for some people, this, this message, this teaching that you've laid on my heart is striking a, a spot in their heart of realizing they don't have to be forgettable, that they can be unforgettable that they can make a difference, whether big or small, in their situation, in their circle of life, right now. And God, I pray that you motivate them and you help them to see that there is future involved here, that there is destiny that you're trying to help them get to. And Lord, I pray that most of all today, they realize that that comes by making you Lord of their life and living out the life that you created for them. With everybody's eyes closed in this place, if you're here, and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I want to give you that opportunity. And this is what we're talking about. This is how you start living this life of being unforgettable, is by allowing God to lead and then being willing to say, I'll go when he says, go here or go there, do this or do that. If that's you here and you want to make Jesus Lord, you want to start living this life that he has for you, with everybody's eyes closed right here at, just lift your hand up. Is there anybody who wants to make that decision today. Awesome, I see those hands. Keep them up for just a minute. The ushers are just gonna give you an envelope with some information. Just set it on your lap when you're done. Awesome. Awesome, I see those hands. If you raise your hand with everybody else's eyes closed, will you look up here at me? Can you just look up here at me? Make, make eye contact with me. I just want you to know that I see you. But it doesn't matter that I see you. What matters is that God sees you today. He knows you already, but he sees that today you want to make a commitment to him, that you want to live for him. And so the start of this is, the Bible says, is, is saying with your own heart, with your own words, saying, I make you Lord of my life. So we're going to do that together as a church in a few minutes. We're going we're to declare that Jesus is Lord of our lives. But the Bible says that we have to confess with our mouth, and then we have to believe in our heart. And the hard part is the harder part. That's the part where when things get tough, you don't go back to believing the world. You continue to believe in God. That when things are tough, you run to him. You allow him to lead you out of the, the situation instead of trying to do it on your own. And when things are great, you celebrate with God instead of celebrating on your own. This is a serious commitment here today, and we're, I'm excited that God is, is uh, going to be part of your life from this moment on. So you can bow your heads again. We're going to pray together in just a second. If you're also watching online today, I want you to know Jesus can meet you. God can meet you right where you're at. If you're in your house or in your car or if you're running on the treadmill, it doesn't matter. If today you just heard what I explained, if you want that and you want to begin living for God, you just say this prayer with us and you start living with him in the lead position of your life. And then let's together watch what God does in your life. So let's pray this together. Say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross, to defeat the grave, and to rise again so that I could be saved. I was a sinner, and I have struggled with sin. But today I'm different. I'm a new creation, a child of God, 
redeemed, remastered, remade, and unforgettable. Today I choose to make you Lord of my life and to live for you from this day on. Lead me into the life you created for me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Awesome, awesome. Thanks again for tuning in today. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can check us out online at rlcbr.org. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast in the iTunes store or your podcast feed. We love you, and remember to always reach up, reach in, and reach out. Have a great week.